mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. All right, we got a special episode of the Front Office Podcast. Uh, I am doing this one solo, not with my uh, usual partner, Eve Darbuz. Uh, and today I feel lucky enough to be joined by Robin Lundberg, who is a senior host at SI. You can hear him on CBS Sports Radio, Mad Dog Radio, and also has the full court on Flatbush Podcast um, associated with the New York Post. Uh, Robin, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I mean, look, talking Brooklyn Nets, you got to be uh, feeling pretty good right now, right? Yeah, I mean, look, yesterday was really uh, yesterday was really exciting. I know people are going to talk about the fact that uh, Davis wasn't playing and Durant wasn't playing, but I think all in all, you have to be happy. A- anytime you beat LeBron, no matter what else is there, you got to be you got to be happy about the results. Yeah, like look, I, I wouldn't read into the specific matchup, right? Like that, I, I don't think that was predictive of what might happen in a Nets-Lakers series um, because, like you said, uh, no KD on the Nets side, no AD on the Lakers side, no Schroeder on, on the Lakers side. And, and I think when the Lakers get into the playoffs, you know, their they're one secret weapon that they still have is, is going to Davis at the five. Uh, and, and that was huge for them in the playoffs last year. But it's about more than that for, for the Brooklyn point of view. Not even just like, all right, who wins the finals between the, the Nets and the Lakers? When you look at the teams that the Nets have beaten, ten and one uh, against teams over five hundred, uh, I believe. What is it, seven and zero against uh, the top eight teams yeah. in the West right now? And and just your common sense, like watching it, like the, the team started to find its identity a little bit. That that switching defense, uh, playing small, spreading the court, and and when shot creation is at such a premium as it is in the NBA. When you have three guys who can do it, not to mention some guys on the outside who can knock down shots. Uh, I mean, I, I think I, I said it on full court on Flatbush this week, and you know, I said it uh, uh, SI uh, today. I think if they're healthy, the Nets are going to be playing for the championship. I'm, I'm pretty confident about that. I mean, looking at the East, Philly, I, I think is the, the toughest matchup because of Embiid, but I, I don't know about their their scoring head to head with Brooklyn in a series. And then, you know, when you're in the finals, whether it's the Lakers or uh, the Clippers or even the Jazz, I mean, and I still obviously think it's the Lakers, you can't worry about those other teams or or how other teams look. I think you look at the Nets right now, and clearly this is a team that can win an NBA championship. Yeah, so it's interesting. You mentioned um, the Sixers, and I'm I'm going to skip a few steps and almost skip a few rounds. And I'm curious, like, which teams – is the Sixers the team that sticks out the most for you of a team that they'll have issues with? Because I know, look, like in the past, I mean, I'm a, I'm a diehard Nets fan. In the past, they've struggled even with teams like the Pacers, who have obviously two bigs who are physical and also can uh, move around the rim and also are good passers. Um, and then they can typically play better against teams that honest, obviously play more of a finesse style like them. I'm curious if there are certain teams that you are more scared about if you're a Nets fan or less scared. Well, I think, look, it's obvious what the Nets, uh, I guess, biggest weakness is, right? Size and physicality. Right. But you look around the league, there's not that much of that. Uh, I think there's three players 
that that you look at. Uh, one is Anthony Davis, who they didn't see last night. You know, uh, two is is uh, Jokic with Denver, and three is Embiid. And he, here's the thing against the Sixers, and I'll focus on that one because I think that you know that's the most likely matchup of of all, <laughs> being that they're in the same conference. Um, ben Simmons is, is interesting because he can guard so many positions, and that's a, a that's a boon for them. The, the fact that they've got a little bit more shooting with Curry there this year, and, and the way you know that they, they can put out a lineup where, where Simmons is maybe the only non-shooter is interesting. And then you know Embiid is going to be a problem, uh, and he's going to score against the Nets. There's no question about that. But I always say, like, can they stop what you do? And, and that's that's what I, I think the Nets are going to you know be able to, to to be problematic for a lot of teams. Who can stop what they do? You know, are, are they just going to outscore teams? I think the answer to that question is yes. <laughs> I mean, you have to play a, a respectable level of defense. Don't don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think that the way the Nets play, they're gonna they're gonna surrender some buckets to the rim. They're gonna surrender some second chance points. It's but I think they make up for that by playing on a string, quickness, getting out in transition, and then trading threes for twos. And, and the, the same thing goes for like if you're looking at this from the Sixers' point of view. Okay, we, we know it needs a certain level of advantage, but what happens when the Nets play the the you know. Jeff Green, uh, Joe Harris, KD, Harden, Kyrie lineup, or or KD, you know, KD, Bruce Brown, Harden, Kyrie, uh, Harris lineup. You know, one combination like that. Who is in beat guard on the other end of the floor? Uh, you know, so that's the, the the kind of thing they have to answer. And, and I, I think just ultimately, it, 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 I mean, it's like lowest common denominator analysis. Um, but what what do we know works in the NBA? Like superstar players, right? We know that that's a proven formula throughout every championship, us all, with, with a few exceptions. There are a few exceptions there. You know, the Mavs in 2011 had one true superstar with a bunch of really good players. The, the Pistons in 04 had a bunch of really good players. Um, the Rockets in the 90s had Olajuwon and a bunch of really good players. But for the most part, the league has been built upon teams that have uh, numerous superstars, and the, the Nets, uh, you know, the, the, they go out there every night with three guys who can beat you in different ways. They're not even redundant. Everybody thought, okay, they, they all hold the ball so so much, but they, they're, they're not redundant because Katie fits in seamlessly. We've seen that in Golden State. We've seen that now. Kyrie is maybe the most skilled guy of all time. Yeah. A ridiculous shot creator. And then Harden um, has a degree of playmaking that the other two don't have. So and when it comes down to a fourth quarter and, and the game is 106-103, you know, you, you got to like the, the, the next chances to close other teams out. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel I feel similarly as well. I mean, I think, like, shot creation, especially in the playoffs and especially in a half-court setting, which is what all these three guys can do incredibly well. Uh, yeah, no, so, I mean, we were talking about what Eastern Conference teams can uh, give the Nets some some trouble. I think, you know, it's funny, I I tend to be a, like, pessimistic Nets uh, Nets fan with, uh, with in, in some ways, with good reason. And so the teams that kind of scare me the most at times aren't even the the Sixers or even, like, the Bucks of the world. It's more so the gritty... going to play you incredibly tough for 48 minutes and act like they haven't been there before teams, which I think the two that end up sticking out to me are Indiana and Miami. Now, I think the good thing about both of those teams is 
neither of those teams have even one player, arguably, who's as good at creating their own shot, because I don't think Butler even is as good as any of the Nets' three guys is getting their own shot. And in the playoffs, as we've talked about, like that ends up being what's the most important. I'm curious if you have any read about the Nets playing those types of uh, grittier teams. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think that those ones can get you in the, the regular season in Indiana, in particular, is that kind of squad, even though it didn't happen last time they played. Uh, I, I just don't think Indiana has the talent to compete with the Nets in a playoff series. Miami is interesting because of what they did last year, and, and I think Jimmy Butler's a tremendous player, uh, you know, and, and uh, can create for himself, can create for others, and, and, and all that in Miami. Uh, was dangerous last year. Bam Adebayo has improved this year. The problem is they're playing, you know, they're behind it right now. They've got to get their way into that uh, picture. Uh, I think the, the, you know, the turnaround time, uh, the, the short turnaround time hurt them a little bit. Um, also, the Google seemed to be ideal for that kind of squad. So Miami, I, I wouldn't completely write off because of what they did. And they, they have one guy, you know, I, I consider, you know, in the top 10 best players in the league or, or right in that mix. Um, so they are, yeah, they're they're a wild card um, the, the remainder of this year. But I, I just, I, I don't know if they can kind of get that lightning in a bottle that, that worked for them a year ago. And I won't say, like, what happened was a fluke or anything like that. That's disrespectful to what they accomplished. But I do think they maximized what they had. Uh, they played to their peak potential. The environment worked for a team like that. Um, and... and you know, they have to work their way back to that level before I, I'm taking them with the same degree of seriousness that, that I did in the postseason last year. Yeah, I mean, I th- yeah, I mean, I, I I totally agree with that, and I think I think this Miami. I mean, they've obviously had a lot of stuff going on off the court, but I think this um, this hangover they've had a little bit, I think, makes sense, and they're they are getting to a point where they have to kind of pick things up sooner rather than later because they've played about thirty, a little less than half the season, and. We'll see how many games end up getting made up and and whatnot. But I mean, I'm I I definitely think that they're they're obviously not in the same place they were four months, five months ago in the bubble. Um, but I was also I was also curious uh, for you switching switching gears a little bit. I think uh, especially in in Nets Twitter, uh, the the grade for Steve Nash has gone totally up and down. It depends on the minute, depends on the game, it depends on the practice, whatever it is. Um, I'm curious what you. Like what you think of his job as a as a coach, both on the court, because I think that's obviously one element of it, and then off the court, which is obviously maybe as important. I've loved Steve Nash so far. I think people get a little ridiculous. Uh, look, the first when a fan base gets frustrated, the first guy that they point to is usually the head coach. That's just the way it works, yeah. right? You, you know, like the, the star player isn't getting fired. <laughs> right. <laughs> the head coach is the easiest thing to just sort of change or, or, or think is going to change. And and it was a perfect no. I mean, he had a couple lapses where maybe he should have called a timeout or or made a lineup switch. He left DeAndre Jordan in too long when Jared Allen was still on the team. Whatever example you want to use, uh, foul instead of letting him shoot a three, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but that's the stuff he learns, right? Like, you learn that. He's a first-time coach. He'll learn the in-game situation. I think what's been more important is his demeanor. And, and I like his steady, sort of positive, calm demeanor. Uh, and, and I think it works also because, he, you know, he's got respect coming in the door. And Steve Nash was not only, you know, um, a kind of a one of the basketball geniuses, right? Like there ain't that many basketball geniuses throughout history, 
LeBron James is one, Magic Johnson, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, you know, like Chris Paul. Uh, you know, there's not that many. And he, he was that, so that, you know, you would assume um, would translate to coaching. But also, he did it at the NBA level. So there's a certain level of respect there. He has a respect for Kevin Durant. And, and he's got a coaching staff. You know, Mike D'Antoni, as much as he's lamented at times, or people say his style doesn't work, I would argue what Houston did when they went small last year actually did work. They just, you know, ran out of they ran into a better a team. Now you've got a, a much more talented Nets team applying some of those things. So overall, I, I, I was I thought the um, Nash hire was a, a bit uh, of a daring one, um, but I, I liked it initially, and and then thus far I've been very happy with Steve Nash as a whole. I think he's he's been the right guy to keep a uh, the, the right sort of tone around this team because this team is, is now covered. Um, they've sort of inherited the mantle of where a LeBron team was in the past because LeBron can't be covered with hysteria anymore. You're just ridiculous if you're covering him with hysteria now. Yeah. And now this Nets team is the one that gets covered with hysteria. You know, If they lose, the defense is terrible. If they win, look out NBA. And Nash has, has had, I think, the, the right kind of message through all that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree about all that. And, and I also think, I mean, I think the the... In, in, in classic NBA dialogue and Twitter world uh, formula, the I mean the amount of sway that the amount of or the amount of negative sway I should say that D'Antoni got has gotten to a point where I mean like it, it, when you actually look back on his tenure specifically with Houston, he never really lost a series that he was supposed to win, and in fact like how far they got in all their series was pretty miraculous. And I also think that even in the bubble last year, I mean I think Harden and Westbrook were coming directly off of COVID and clearly we're not in basketball shape. So I think even judging on that is kind of, is kind of ridiculous. But, uh, but I was, I was also curious. Um, I was also curious for you. So a lot of people that I've seen in some, in some circles have talked about how last year, you know, the Clippers, this, the, the entire year were kind of the, the sleeping giant and they never really played together. Guys were taking games off. They basically kind of felt like, the, the regular season didn't matter, which in a lot of ways it, it doesn't. But it got to a point where, um, where them where when they actually played together, it, it didn't really work that much. And I think some people are a little nervous that this Nets team is kind of you, you know you you saw the stats yesterday on TNT. It's like a couple of games of Harden Durant, a couple of games of Harden Kyrie. There's all these different machinations, but they but whether they've all played together as one unit combined with if their certain buyout guys come to the team. Um, and I'm curious what you make of of that element in combined with also people, I think, or at least I've kind of thought that some people have kind of uh, compared what the Nets do when they turn it on and turn it off to like the Chiefs this year. And that it's, and that, but then when you get into the playoffs, sometimes it's actually hard to turn it on and turn it off. And so on those two facets, I'm curious where you stand. I think in the course of the NBA season, a lot of teams turn it off and turn it on to a degree. Um, you know, it's just the Nets are covered with a little bit more of a microscope. Right, um, and, and that's a, a, a function of you know getting up, other teams getting up for you when they, they see who you are, and that, that's what the Nets have become. They're a marquee team now. Um, as far as how it translates to the playoffs, I, I mean, I, I get it. Uh, what happened to the Clippers, and that was embarrassing. Again, the circumstances of last season were a little different, and Kawhi was the kind of one guy over there um, who who ha- had. You know, you really kind of believed in in those situations. You didn't have a great game seven, but with with the Nets, I mean, they got 
they got that in reserve now. I mean, Kevin Durant, you've seen him do it at the highest level. Kyrie Irving, you've seen him do it at the highest level. James Harden, we've now never never seen him have this uh, level of talent uh, around him. So that's not too much of a concern for me. I mean, I think you see, you know, if the Nets were just turning it off and turning it on, they wouldn't be climbing to get maybe the number one seed in the East right now. Right. Uh, Yeah, there have been some bad losses, clearly. A couple of embarrassing losses, clearly. I think the other thing you mentioned is a little bit more of a – uh, something like a mild concern is is just the lack of reps the three guys have had together because you know we've seen these games of brilliance when two of them have been on the court whether that was Durant and Harden when Harden first got traded or Kyrie and Durant at the very beginning of the season or now Harden and Kyrie you know like the signature performances from the big three yeah you know you want to start seeing that a little bit and and, and making sure that those guys have reps so that they're, they're it's second nature for them by the time the playoffs come around. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, I definitely, uh, I definitely agree with that. And I think, I mean, I mean, look, hopefully, hopefully this KD um, injury right now isn't too big of a deal and that they, and that they do end up getting reps. And, and honestly, I think we're probably going to hit a certain point where Harden is probably going to need some games off. Cause he's definitely been uh, like 110% since he, since he made the trade, which I have appreciated, but I think it's also the type of thing where he'll probably, um, need some time off as well. I'm curious because a lot of people, specifically me, who like is checking Twitter constantly, hoping that Shams or Woj is going to break some massive buyout person that the Nets can get. Is there are, are there certain people that you think the Nets should absolutely go for? I mean, obviously there's the Drummond and the Griffins and Javale McGee, and are are any of those guys or any other guys that people have talked about? Are you kind of scared of even mixing them into the into the group? Well, I, I've been encouraged of late the way that the the rotation has come together and the way that the you know the, the fringe rotation players are, are battling for spots. You know, Tyler Johnson battling for a spot, Landry Shamit playing better, guys like that. Uh, I uh, TLC the, the last couple of games. Um, I I trust Jeff Green implicitly. Uh, I, I trust what Bruce Brown has brought to the team. I, I, you know, teams might try to, to make him shoot in the postseason, but nevertheless, I, I love what he brings to the team. Obviously, Harris, um, Jordan in, in spot minutes. Uh, you know, it, it, I think you know he's done well in, in his role the last couple of games. So, if they add nothing, I, I don't think it's the end, end of the world. Of course, you always want to improve the team. If Andre Drummond's available, be a, a, a buyout. I mean, it, it's foolish not to, to, to pursue that. Um, the, the problem with buyouts is generally, you know, those guys are available for a reason, right? Like, they're not just, like, the, the most valued commodity in the league anymore. Right. Yeah, I think you can make a, a small addition there. I, I think, you know, you have to keep your, your eyes open at the trade deadline. Um, that's just don't have that many pieces left to deal. So I would be prepared for this to be the, the crew with some, you know, uh, additions on the edges, uh, touch up the paint job a, a little bit. I think a big body is still something that you could use situationally. But I don't look at this team now and say there are, you know, glaring holes. It's, it's like a little bit of depth, a little bit of size. And that's what I think they need to be looking at. Would you, would you be... I, would you not want to take on like a, a Blake Griffin type personality into the locker room? 
this all needs to be hammered out beforehand. I, you know, Blake Griffin has just not been a very good player um, yeah. as of late. And he, that, that dunk stat is crazy. He hasn't had a dunk since 2019. Yeah. Uh, he, he's become more of a spot-up shooter and, and not a good one. Um, he, he doesn't really get by his, his man. Nevertheless, given what he's been capable of in the past, if, if Blake Griffin's available says, I want to join the team, and is willing to take a, a much lesser role, then I, I, you, you could kick the tires on that for sure. I, I just don't want to, you know, bring in Blake Griffin and then think this is Blake Griffin and, and his name demands a certain level of uh, gravitas or, or uh, role on the team. I think if, if he's, he's willing to play a certain role, I think you, you consider that. But, um, you know, is he a huge upgrade over what they have? Right now, does he exactly bring what they need right now? Um, you know, but if, when you have a guy who, who has done what he's done in the past and you could add him for nothing, then I, I think you have to at least take a look at it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I think I think in part they really just need, like, bodies, which is why I, I was happy with even, like, the Noah Vonley signing because I think it's just a bigger athletic dude which can help just to even help wear down someone. I mean, obviously he's... Not doesn't really seem like he's in NBA shape yet. I'm curious to see what he can do because I always thought he was decent with the uh, with the Knicks. But so, so I'm curious to see what other guy they get. Um, last couple of questions that I had for you, and I wanted to kind of transition to more of kind of a both narrative questions and also a media question because obviously um, you're someone who's been in in sports forever and specifically like talk radio. I, I mean, I remember listening to you and Ruko on ESPN Radio back in the day, um, and. I'm curious, what what do you think it is specifically about Kyrie that I think makes him such a lightning rod that people feel the need to constantly talk about him? Like, do you find that it's it's him and what he says? Do you think it's a combination of his game? Do you think it's uh, like how how much he relates to certain uh, other athletes and activists and his deals with Nike, whatever it is? I'm just curious as to why every single thing he does ends up becoming such a national story. Uh, part one uh, is he left LeBron, right? Like he played with LeBron, which is the biggest spotlight you can have, and left. So I think once that happened, there was a certain degree of criticism waiting for him. And then there, then you add in the Boston fan base, which is now spun him negatively, and the Boston media has spun him negatively. Um, all that stuff is one factor to it. Um, another factor is he's so brilliant to watch. You know, so when he does something that is frustrating, I think sometimes even, you know, could be extra frustrating. Like when he did the uh, the pawns Instagram thing yep. earlier this year, it was like, oh, come on, do you really need to do it? Well, why'd you even add that last line? Or when he, when he first took, when the sabbatical kept going, and you were like, what's going on here? Like that frustration just builds up a little bit. And part of that's just because you respect how good he is as a player. Some of it he's brought on himself, right? I mean, from the flatter thing to to some of these posts, to some ill-advised comments or, or you know, the party, whatever it is. There's stuff that he, he brought on himself. And then now he's on such a high-profile team that, he, you know, it comes with the, the territory. At that To that same token, you know, sometimes it goes a little too far. And, and I thought, you know, the most salient point Draymond Green made, I think, in his whole rant, um, was that this week, was about, like, the way we talk about some of these guys sometimes. and. Yeah. They are people, right? So, and that can affect them a, a little bit. And, and I think that's where where Kyrie uh, can get alienated um, at, at times. But Ky- Kyrie's just an interesting cat, 
I, I, you know, there's no other way to put it. He's just an interesting cat, and and that can be, you know, polarizing when you consider the level of coverage he's getting and and um, how how brilliant he is actually out on the court. Yeah, no, I mean, I. I, I agree. I think I think the LeBron point is really is a really good one, and probably one that at this point, because it's almost like the oldest point at this point, is is probably the one that actually does resonate uh, a lot with people. Because obviously, it's rare to see someone leave someone like like LeBron. Though there are obviously a lot of factors that went into um, his decision to to demand a trade. But but you yeah, know, it, it is interesting because obviously now, I mean, I, I think a lot of like Twitter and a lot of social media has made comments about anything that he does in relation to um, his heritage, which I think like treads on a line that I, I think a lot of us are not super comfortable with. And, and, and so I, I, I just think a lot of the discourse about him at this point is just very bizarre and is more, is more vitriolic than I think it should be. Um, and I'm, and I, and I, and I do find it interesting. I mean, look, some players are just lightning rods for whatever reason it is. And I think, you know, even hearing past players who have played with him talk about him, like I know Raja Bell has mentioned this on his podcast, that I think when uh, when you're in a locker room with him, I think he does have a little bit of a of a condescension of "I know better than you." So I don't know if that's people kind of uh, people kind of lashing back at him because of the way he speaks to the media and whatnot. But I just do find it I just do find it interesting the way that at, at this point that he has been um, been treated. He's a little bit of a provocateur, too. Right. I mean, let's be honest. Like, he, sure. he, he deserves some of the responsibility for this. Yeah, right? absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, and he has, um, he, he can, he can, you know, have this very, like, uh, open, likable nature to him. And then he can have this, like, very curt, like, short or, or just, you know, totally uh, runaway kind of nature to him. Um, so that's, you know, again, that's why he's interesting. And I'm not saying this. As a critique, I'm not even saying, you know, I'm not somebody who I, I think has gone out of my way to hammer the guy. But, you know, there, there is an individual uh, responsibility that, that comes up to it. You know, it, it didn't just happen to anyone. And, and, but, you know, to that same token, that, that doesn't mean some of that stuff doesn't go way too far. And, and um, knock on, you know, whatever's in front of me, I've really liked his attitude since he's come back. Um, and maybe, maybe he needed that. You know, like, we all have something going on. Right, uh, just because you're an NBA player, I mean, you have, don't have stuff going on. You know, I I have anxiety. I you know I do yoga, meditation. I've been through therapy. You know, all that stuff. Right, like yep. we all got something going on. Absolutely. So that could be it too. And, and maybe you know, I don't know what he did during that time, but maybe that helped him. I don't know. But he, he's had a good approach um, since he, he's come back. But if we're being honest with ourselves, he does have that. You know. Um, degree of who knows what could happen next right. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know but that's just the truth yeah no and I think and look I, I think to everything you just said which I totally agree with I mean he also even even when even when his supporters um, are trying to be uh, are trying to bolster his case even more like for example during his um, like seven game uh, break it doesn't help then when pictures come out of him without a mask like even no matter where it is like it just a uh, there is an element of of optics where he doesn't necessarily uh help himself so from that perspective i i completely get it um i, I was i was also curious uh lastly from you about about kind of like i'm i mean i like love basketball history and i love kind of ranking guys and where they are and going looking through eras I'm kind of curious at this point because, I mean, you know, a lot has been made of Durant's decision to go to Golden State and hit the two titles he won and whether we're going to give him, like, 
the how much how much are those titles worth as compared to uh, a title that Jordan won or a title that even like Dirk won or or whoever it is. And I'm curious what you think KD kind of makes of this whole um, Brooklyn experiment, which I think he is pretty like all in on. And I think he I think he likes that he, this is clearly his franchise and he's the one that's making the calls, even though people originally kind of thought Kyrie was the guy doing that. It kind of seems like from reporting that this is KD's franchise. And I'm curious just kind of what you think um, a championship here would, would, would mean to him and also to his to, to his legacy and also kind of what you think he's he's looking for at this point. Yeah, I mean, look, some of this stuff bothers him at times. He's shown that over the years, right? But it's an interesting um, sort of paradox because uh, it, it bothers him, but at the same time, he, he's willingly done these sets up of these situations, whether it's going at least helping putting together this team in, in Brooklyn. Um, we all get older. We all mature a little bit. He's been around the block. Um, I, I think he's, he's a little more prepared for it now. Um, it's also a, a little different because there's not a Steph in this situation. Sure. I think, you know, part of that was there was a Steph there um, who was, you know, you're just never going to usurp him with the Warriors fan base. Um, and here, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, it's funny, as good as James Harden is, sometimes you wonder, like, who the, even Harden is good enough to make me wonder sometimes who the best player on the team is, but sure. the, the, the basic uh, takeaway is it's Durant, right, and everything goes through, it goes around Durant, um, and, and when it comes to championships, even if he wins one in Brooklyn, I, I think it may be more significant than the ones he won in Golden State, but I don't think he's going to have any one championship that you point to as, like, one of those special different ones, right? Like, you know, that just means LeBron in 2016 or even LeBron last year with the Lakers' third team or Dirk in, in 2011 or Kawhi with the Raptors or Steph, you know, and, and the Warriors with the, the Splash Brothers, the first. You know, there's just ones that I think feel a little bit more significant. Um, but who cares? Uh, right. You know, he starts, he starts piling those up and you, you can't say anything about it. And then he's just so undeniably good that people can pick apart or argue how significant each championship is. You can't argue against him. And and ultimately, I, I think that is what will win the day for him. Not to mention, you know, um, winning in, in New York City and Brooklyn after all this would, would be a, a, a big deal from a hype standpoint. I'm not saying it would. I mean, that'd be awesome. It'd be amazing. It'd be huge. I just mean as far as like, all right, is this the, the best championship any individual has ever won? Well, we, there's three of you now. Um, but hey, he, he he knows what he's getting into, and and I think maybe he's comfortable enough in his own skin now, where he doesn't care, and, and there's no denying, you know, in the history of the game, he's going to be right up there. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel I feel pretty similarly. I think I I think those. It's funny. I think in in some circles, the Warriors titles that he won are viewed as too special, and in other places, I think people completely disregard them, which I think is also ridiculous because I think at this point, there's been this. Uh, there's been almost this rewriting of history that LeBron's Cleveland teams, and I get the last year was not great, but the I mean the one before where that did have Kyrie in love was still an incredibly talented team. Maybe not as talented as the Warriors, but I do think that uh, that that's kind of gotten overblown at this uh, at this point. But I, 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 it does seem like he still is on some type of mission, and whether that mission will be able to be fixed or rectified whatever like word you want to use i don't i don't know but it's clear that like golden state he did not get out of it what he probably expected to get out of it um and so and so that's why that's why as like a nets fan and also someone who's hoping he's a net for the rest of his career i'm 
I'm curious to I'm curious to see kind of what his uh, what his track will be moving uh, moving forward. Well, when you look at the accumulation too, it's again like I think Kevin Durant is one of the 15 best basketball players of all time, maybe right now, right? Like, uh, <laughs> and and you know if he gets to three, that's only one behind LeBron. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, and I'm not saying that means you know, four would catch LeBron or anything like that, but I'm saying you know just with the totals, you start to get to a point where it's like, all right, we're going to discount each one of them, you know, <laughs> drop right. them all down. So I, I think he's probably, you know, he's safe in, in, in that regard. The only thing that would probably hurt, I think, is this group not winning one. Right. Uh, I think that would that would hurt, um, considering how they came together and, and the level of talent. Everyone says it has to be this year. I, I try to pump the brakes a little bit. I, I think, you know, look, the expectation is to be playing for the championship this year. But you want, you put, you, you sign Kevin Durant, you make this trade to have a window to win, and, and I think, yeah, they, he's got to win. They've got to win with this group. Yeah, it, it's um, it's interesting because I think from uh, from from Katie's perspective, what I what I did find kind of curious about the Harden trade, and it's why actually originally I didn't totally buy all the rumors, is I was almost even surprised that Katie would want to add another star with him because of kind of the same. Uh, backlash he could get from kind of what happened with the Warriors of like being on this like quote unquote super team, which I guess does show that maybe like that element of Golden State isn't what bugs him as much as like maybe as you said that it was just Steph's team, and it does seem like it does seem like as as vocal as Kyrie can be, and even with his past New Jersey connections um, to the organization, like this, I mean, it seems like every single thing runs through. KD, including like even the minor roster buyout guys that they that they've even added already. Yeah, I think people just say this is KD's team, right? And, and which speaks to you know how brilliant a player he is, considering the other guys. Um, he's also coming off an injury. You know, uh, you know there there's a certain um, you know he, he knows it, it can be there and then gone. Um, and then with Harden, there, there's a reliability factor. You touched it on earlier when you talked about his minutes, but I, I think the two things Harden has brought that they didn't have were, you know, both uh, KD and Kyrie can play make to an extent, but that's not their game. That's not what they do. Harden, when he leans into it, that can be what he does. Um, and, and then the other thing is he's he never gets hurt. I think he's always been available. Uh, he, he always plays big minutes. So I think, you know, when you know you can have something like that next to you, and, and that counts for something too, you know. And 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 KD has already like made it sort of his thing to, to knock media coverage and the narratives. Yeah. So uh, you know, the bigger he gets in the game, the more accomplished he gets in the game. I think the the more confidence he'll have in in, in being able to just you know. Uh, clap back at people online um but from a, a less defensive standpoint of view yeah no i i totally i totally agree with all that but um listen robin i've, I've always really uh enjoyed listening to you as i mentioned even dating back to your like early days with uh with ruko and even now at, at at sports illustrated um and on the on the flatbush podcast like i really enjoy your work and i, and I really appreciate you uh, taking the time uh to come on to the front office podcast you got it man All right, thanks so much. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. 
Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.